Welcome to Virgin Territory, a podcast brought to you by SHIP. Each episode brings you new guests and new topics. We ask all the questions you are dying to know, from dating, sexual education and wellness, to kink, polyamory, and everything in between. Now please welcome your host, Vima Manfredo. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of Virgin Territory. Can you believe it? It's already December, unless you're listening to this in the future. So hi, future people. Um, Today, we're joined by Erica. Hi, Erica. How are you? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. I'm so excited. Uh, This will be a fun episode. Um, So let's start with, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your bio. Yeah, so uh, my name is Erica, and I use they, them pronouns, and I am a fat, white, queer femme who lives uh, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, which a lot of folks in the States uh, might not know exactly where that is, but basically it's kind of like the Midwest of the prairie of of Canada is kind of what I like to think of it as. (laughs) Um, So it's like really flat. Um, the part where I live anyway, is really flat and huge open prairie skies and um, it's a great place to be. And yeah, I've been a sex educator for uh, the better part of my life since I was a teenager and I'm kind of embarking on this brand new journey of uh, flying solo for a bit. So um, it's been a really, really exciting time. Great. So yes, I, you you were absolutely right. Uh, I had no idea where that it was. Um, <laughs> thank you to our education systems. Uh, but I mean, flatland. I can I can understand that. I live in Rhode Island, and there's not a mountain to be seen anywhere here. Um, <laughs> so you just mentioned that you've been a sex educator since you've been a, since you were a teenager. Um, so how did you get into sex education, especially at such a young age? Yeah, it, you know, it was kind of almost by fluke. Um, I was the kind of teenager who was super into um, theater and acting. And so I was on my high school improv team, uh, which was, you know, maybe not the coolest thing to, to do if I look back on it. Um, but super fun. And I was a bit of a keener so I loved doing all the activities that I could and our improv team got invited to do the entertainment for like this big like student citizen engagement kind of conference Um, so we were like the lunchtime entertainment and by doing that we got to go to all these free sessions uh, that were happening and I ended up in this one where these other teenagers who are pretty much just like me uh, were acting out these uh, theater presentations and then facilitating these workshops about sexual health and alcohol and decision-making and things like that. And I thought it was so cool and I loved acting. So I was really excited to take skills I already had and something I already loved doing and apply it in this new way. And um So yeah, I I took this training at a community health organization and was really, really bought in from the beginning about it. Um, It was kind of like an experience. Yeah, it was like an experience that I had never had the opportunity to have before. Um, Just because it was so, the training was so open, the facilitators were so like, I remember being 16 and having like stars in my eyes that these people could be so cool. Um, And, and yeah, it was just such a stark difference from like my family and my neighborhood that I grew up in that it was kind of just incredible to be around so many like open and non-judgmental people. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a big difference between the classic, and I use classic in quotation marks, the classic education of abstinence only in a very used, shoot, gum analogies. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
for, for me, it was, you know, I was fortunate. I didn't have a lot of that through school, but there was a brief period of my life where I decided I would be a Christian, um, which didn't really make sense. None of my, like my family was atheist. Um, there wasn't really anything, you know, compelling me other than, I guess, wanting to try new things. And uh, the church that I ended up going to uh, for their youth group with my friends had an analogy that was um, they had an orange in, and, a, and a nail. And <laughs> it was like they stabbed this orange with this nail over and over again. And that was supposed to be sex. And I, <laughs> you know, my family... My family was really sex negative and like averse to talking about sex at all. So I already had some like, you know, a lot of questions and a lot of ideas. But even at that time, when I was like 14, I knew that that was not okay <laughs> in this like church basement on jello night or something. Just this orange and this nail, just like breaking Jesus's heart. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I, th I think that's the first one I've seen of an orange being stabbed or any fruit whatsoever being stabbed uh yeah. we've had this conversation a couple of times on, on previous episodes and and the one that comes up a lot is the shoot gum yeah. the the touch mint or menthol thingy you know the, the oh. roundy thing mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. if you touch it a lot it gets all sticky oh. um so i don't think that was the best analogy that people could have used and there was another one that was the 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 touch rose and if you touch it too much it withers away yeah uh, but and, I, and all of it is so sad and gross right like sex is you know it can be a really like empowering experience for people it can be a really positive experience for people and then you know teenagers have these like ideas given to them by these awful presentations and then they go out and you know have secret sad shame sex and they could be actually having really pleasurable, enjoyable sex. Um, right. Or maybe even deciding not to because they're not ready and they've been given autonomy over their bodies to make those decisions. Right. Um, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had classes that talked more about how sex really is. I mean, yes, it can be messy in a good way. Uh, it can be messy. There are weird sounds that happen sometimes. Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. you hit your head against the headboards and those are the kind of things that I would have been I would like to be warned about like hey if you're having this experience just make sure your head is far away from the headboard <laughs> yeah put a towel <laughs> <laughs> I think we miss like you know I, I think that's still a place where most sex ed has a long way to go in making it a like a more human thing um where where we talk about like yeah sex can sometimes be like humorous or boring or you know hilarious or awkward and all that is fine actually <laughs> yeah know? exactly all that is fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah and harm reduction like you said put a put a pillow at the end of your headboard and <laughs> yeah but th those are the things because even on positive positive uh sex education they'll talk to you about like make sure you're checking the condom if you're having um sets with someone that is using a, a penis of some sort um mm -hmm. bio or plastic uh make sure you're using a condom make sure that you put it on the right way and those are the mechanics of sets mm -hmm. you can cover that in like an hour and and you're done but the the hilarity of it, the the things to watch out for in terms of uh, safety of your body safety, but your emotional safety as well. Um, not getting these grandiose ideas that because you had sex with someone, they will stay with you forever, which was something that was also taught in my school. And that's why you did abstinence, because you bond your souls when sometimes you just want to have sex with a person because you find them pretty or they had a oh, good yeah. with you. And that would say they <laughs> don't know their last name. <laughs> I know there's, you know, so I worked for a really long time uh, in the same community health organization that I had volunteered with as a teenager. And uh, one of the activities we did with folks was um, 
ask questions like, well, why do people have sex? And, uh, you know, they would go off and like flip chart all these ideas and write them down with smelly markers and bring them back to the big group. And like the number of reasons and like ideas about why people have sex are so vast and different, right? It's like everything, like you said, from like, you know, a deep, intense emotional connection to like, I'm bored and want something to do in my small town. Um, or like, it's Tuesday, or, or, you know, so many things. It's like anything else we do as humans. Yeah, it was There's on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was on the calendar. It was set time. So yeah, <laughs> which can happen if you have a very busy life, you have to schedule your intimacy with your partner or partners because you're too busy so if you don't put it on the calendar it will never happen <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. it, it sounds funny but it's like no it's true do, and, if it works it's not bad <laughs> yeah and I think like um so something I I forgot to mention in my bio because I have a hard time talking about who I am in the world because I feel like it's so high stakes but um So I, I'm, I'm someone who is neurodivergent. Um, I'm learning all about how I've lived with ADHD my whole entire life, but just never known until I was in my 30s, which is so true for like a, a lot of AFAB folks. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so anyway, the, the neurodivergence, um, I've been learning a lot about like other people's experiences of neurodiverse identities in life. And I think for a lot of people, who are neurodiverse, scheduling sex can be a great idea um, because sometimes people can have a hard time remembering that something even needs to happen um, or sometimes just need that like reminder or extra push or like, I want to say accountability. I don't mean like somebody has to have sex like it's a to-do, but <laughs> like sometimes people just need that little extra reminder. It yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because if not, then you, you're in the middle of traffic and you're like, why am I so cranky? Oh, because I've been horny for two weeks. And I keep forgetting <laughs> when I get home, I get distracted and I keep forgetting that that's what I wanted to do while yeah. I was in traffic. <laughs> um, it, it is a very interesting journey. Um, so going back to your journey as a sex educator, uh, we mentioned that you started as a teenager, but once mm -hmm. you crossed over to the adult part, um, what has your journey been like? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was really clear to me when I was very young that I wanted other people to experience the kind of um, sex education that I got from this community organization. Uh, and I wanted especially other like, 2ST LGBTQIA plus folks to have access to that kind of information and not even necessarily just the information, but the approach of how people talk about um, sexual health and relationships um, and things like that. I had been so validated um, in a way that, you know, growing up in a house with a narcissistic parent who wasn't able to give me everything that I, I needed in terms of my emotional safety and stability. Um, experiencing that level of validation as a young person was uh, profound. And so I was like, I want to do this forever and make people feel even half as good as I did. And so I did a couple of different things. Like I, uh, you know, while I was doing other things that were maybe like tangential to like this kind of a career, like I worked at a coffee shop, that kind of stuff. Um, I was always volunteering and always doing things like uh, I was a birth control and pregnancy counselor for a long time at our local women's health clinic here. Um, and that was such a cool experience. Um, I, I really loved doing that work and feel like if I had more time in my life, I would still love to be doing that. Um, just like talking people, talking to people in a time when they can be pretty like concerned and, you know, there's so much misinformation about reproductive and sexual health choices. Um, so being able to sit with someone one-on-one -on -one and give them whatever it is they needed in that time was, was really special. Um, and after doing that for a long time, I started working full-time as a, uh, a youth health educator 
And that work was really exciting. <laughs> um, so I, I worked, uh, the organization I worked with, we had a team of about nine people and we did workshops and trainings and things like that all over the province of Manitoba. Um, and Manitoba tends to be pretty South centric. Um, so like, I know that probably a lot of your listeners, if they also didn't have great geography classes, might not be able to picture what Canada looks like. But like, <laughs> Winnipeg is like smack in the middle of Canada. Like literally, I can drive to the marker that says this is the middle of Canada. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's a huge swath of land north of where we live, but it's it's really like the most dense part is the south. Um, mm -hmm. And so a lot of people who live here don't get to uh, experience the whole province. Um, but we super did in our work. And uh, it was incredible being able to like go into all kinds of communities uh, and do like really amazing uh, sexual health workshops. We also did a lot of like mental health and, um, you know, diversity and, and things like that as well. Um, and the work that I think I was most proud of was running our peer education program where we really got to like know a group of youth and be with them for a long period of time and uh, and and really do just so many different exciting things. And uh, really it was about giving them the skills and information and all of the hookups to know like, if me or my friend is going through this, this is what we can do about it. Um, and it was kind of like, giving it really felt like giving back some of that like amazing amazing support that I got as a teenager um and doing it all over all over Manitoba which was really really exciting and I also got to do it with you know one of my closest friends who also uh, had come up through the same program that I had and so that was really special we felt like legacy or something <laughs> um, so that was really fun um but yeah I think yeah, I spent I spent 12 years uh, in that organization doing that work. And there was never a single day that I didn't like learn something new from the youth that I got to work with. Um, we, you know, towards towards the end of our time there, we had really transformed a lot of our programming to um, work on decolonizing it. And we were working with um, we were working with the we had some really rad indigenous women in our uh, program who were sort of pushing the envelope on that work. And we were going to ceremony together and we were learning from the communities we were working with. And we worked really hard at relationship building and, uh, you know, sort of taking away, and, and I don't know if it's the same in, in the States as it is here, but um, all of that kind of work is funded by governments, either province or country. And there's all these like <laughs> requirements and like all these bullet points of things you're supposed to do, but that's not necessarily what the communities wanted or needed. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were working really hard on like throwing out our like uh, white supremacist tools that we had been learning through all of time, kind of taking out all of that junk and bringing in, bringing it back to relationships. And uh, it was really special and beautiful and also threatening. And that's why we don't get to work there anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's great, especially since you got to work with um, Indigenous women and doing the work to decolonize the, the sex education. That's, that is wonderful work. Um, so I wanted to move us to, you did a, a workshop for us, um, for us ship, not Virgin yeah. Territory. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could if you want me to. <laughs> great. Fantastic. Uh. I'm great at segues, clearly. Um, <laughs> but I wanted, since it's part of the sex education, um, route that we've been talking about, I wanted to bring up the, the topic that you had 
for our workshop, which was sets education and technology for kids. Um, so mm-hmm. talk us a little bit about how do you find that group, um, that topic, not that group. How do you <laughs> arrive at that's the topic I want to talk about? Yeah. So uh, being engaged in sex education as long as I have, I've seen lots of different like trends and changes in how people use technology for purposes of like sexual exploration or um, hooking up or maintaining relationships or what have you. Um, And something that always stuck out to me uh, with the youth that we were working with was that there wasn't a lot of people doing that kind of education in a way that respected uh, the fact that, you know, I, I just think there was, there was oftentimes young people in my circles saying, yeah, you know, the cops came to do this presentation for us about sexting and it was really terrible and uh, shamey and judgy and victim blaming. Um, and, and that's kind of like all there was for a long time. Um, and I think, you know, I think slowly that's changing, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's not a lot of readiness and there's not a lot of um, skill or knowledge necessarily in knowing how to, you know, think about these things or talk about them with the young people in our lives. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to explore that with some adults who had young people in their lives that, you know, they're coming up against these conversations and, you know, maybe experiencing those blocks like, ah, what, what is a Snapchat? I don't know. Like, what is a, <laughs> you know, XYZ technology term that I've never heard of before? Uh, and just like letting people know that not knowing the technology or how it works doesn't actually have to scare us to death. Right. Um, you know, that it's actually like people have always used technology for sexual purposes. Like, I'm sure when, the, you know, the like, I don't know, whatever the printing press, I'm sure somebody figured out how to printing press their junk, you know, <laughs> like every kind of technology, uh, you know, as humans, we really interact with technology and it becomes a part of our everyday lives. And that's true for sex and technology as well. And just because people are under 18 or uh, are just like beginning their sexual um, journeys or whatever, doesn't mean that they shouldn't have access to all of the positive benefits that technology can have on uh, a healthy sexuality. And how talking about those things doesn't have to scare people. It actually can just be an open conversation about um, the benefits and and how to reduce the harms of, of right. those things so people can experience the benefits. That makes sense. And mm-hmm. it's a good thing to understand that you don't need to know the ins and outs of every piece of technology. Just understand, no. have a general understanding of the platform and how the platform is used by the general population. Like you said, Snapchat, there is a a very specific concept that Snapchat uses that almost no other social media platform does that is that disappearing conversation and the disappearing mm-hmm. snaps. Um, I'm sorry for all the young folks. I'm using the wrong words, it is, <laughs> but it is, I don't know how to snap, but I, I'm like, is, do people even do Snapchat anymore? I don't even know. I never, got I don't know. <laughs> once I finally understood Snapchat, I, TikTok came along. So now there's TikTok and conversations yes. happening on, on DMs and on the comment section. And there's also the Discord servers that have been around for a while, but mm-hmm. now they're becoming more um, mainstream instead of just a niche for programmers and for mm-hmm. It's more, more for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you have like old school chat rooms, but they're Discord servers now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, don't we just call this a live chat? Like, <laughs> yeah, I I remember being on live chat, talking to people from all over the world and yeah. being maybe 14 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the most. And I was talking to a lot of probably adults that said that they were 15. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. part part of my parents never understood technology. They have never 
our, my, our technology, obviously they understand theirs um, as boomers or generation ads, I forget which ones they are, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't understand the millennial and the Gen Z technology. Mm -hmm. So I was left on to my own devices on like, yeah, use that finagle thing called computer. I don't understand. <laughs> and here I am at two in the morning on chat rooms, talking to strangers on the interwebs <laughs> with no supervision whatsoever yeah. and no guidance. And I'm alive <laughs> somehow. Yeah, look at we made it. We made it. We made it. <laughs> if we made it, our kids can make it. Yes, exactly. And it's just understanding this is this is the platform. This is the concept of it. This is who usually uses it. Like you can see that TikTok is mostly used by youngsters, younglings. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's a lot of millennials on TikTok as well, and there's a few yeah. adults. Um, so having that knowledge of like, so that's what it does. Uh, YouTube is another one that is a dumpster fire <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, it's also like, I, I think like uh, having to completely shift everything we do to include more technology in the last couple of years um, has also been, you know, really, really exciting in terms of like sex education, it's been really exciting because, uh, you know, before all of this, I didn't know how to do anything. Like I am an, you know, I'm not very old, but like I'm an elder millennial queer femme. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so my technology skills are sometimes like I need a push, but once, once I start, it's so exciting. And, and, you know, I just want everybody to feel excited about the technologies they're using in whatever way they're using them, even if that's, you know, for sex. Um, and I think something that's really tricky about um, these conversations when it comes to talking about it with youth is that there's no positive examples, you know, there's no... Um, you know, I think about these poor, like, parents or, um, you know, mentors or, or you know, even elders um, who just, you know, all they know is something, it's like stuff that they don't totally understand how to use, uh, it's hidden away from them, and then they just get bombarded with all of these, like, you know, if it's ever in the news, it's always the worst case scenario, um, you know, they just have all of these flooded they're just flooded with all of these images of like uh you know cyberbullying experiences or um quote unquote revenge porn um which is sexual violence um right but just digital right um, yeah. and and not to say that those things don't happen but they never have an opportunity to see like the potential benefits of your young person using their phone to explore sexuality right right yeah and yeah there's, like, there's only so much you can you can teach your younglings your I, I was just reading a star wars book so it's younglings <laughs> now I like um, it I like it I'm here for it <laughs> <laughs> but there's only so much you can teach them even as a parent even as a sex positive parent parent because yeah. there are things that you've never experienced as a parent um Mm -hmm. And there are things that they don't feel comfortable listening to their parent about or their guardian. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want you to talk to me about X, Y, and Z. That's gross. But they <laughs> go on the on the internet and they mm -hmm. find out the answers there. And the idea is more to guide them and be another resource and, and, a, and a place where they can verify on whether or not that information is correct. And then it's yeah. on, as, a, as a guardian to make sure that what you're telling them is correct is actually correct that's also helpful <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and i think you know yeah there's there's also just there there is so much i mean it's like anything else right there's so much that's positive about using the internet even for research like you were talking about um but, you know, if we treated like researching for your school project, like we treat things like sexting or, um, you know, that kind of exchange that people could have, then, you know, nobody would be allowed to do research. And, you know, there would be like 
no, they would have to only go to like police websites and they would only (laughs) be able to do it with a parent in the room watching them so that they don't do something wrong. Right. And I think we can all understand that that would not be beneficial, (laughs) like for young people to have that experience with researching for school projects. It's the same about like exploring their sexuality. Yeah. Um, you know, we've all had conversations with young people about like, okay, so when you're researching a topic, or at least I hope we've had these conversations, like when you're researching a topic for school, this is how to tell if a website is real or if it's like selling an agenda that doesn't actually work. Um, This is how you double check information, you know, like there's all these ways we teach people how to have these skills. We also need to teach people how to have the sexy skills when they're using their phones or the internet. Right. Um, You know, like if you just are searching Google images for porn, you're probably going to get infected with some sort of weird spyware on your computer. And if it's your parents' computer, oopsies, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and also it's going to give you all sorts of weird messages about your body and about sex that probably aren't helpful. So here's some ethical porn you could try out. I've like paid for it on this computer. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, to do it, but (laughs) if you're going to look through my computer, here's some stuff for you to check out if that's what you're going for. Right. Um, You know, or, or yeah. And, And I think like, you know, at the end of the day, people really just want young people to be safe and, you know, well and happy. And I think there's a way we can do that but still let people have their phones, you know, like, right. There's a lot of, a lot of really great things can come out of using your technology for sex and sexuality. Um, You know, I've met a lot of queer and trans youth through my career who, um, you know, they're in remote places or, you know, like small towns or even, even Winnipeg, like we're not a huge city it is like a small town here, even though it's like maybe a million people, (laughs) it is like a small town, you know, you know, like any person you meet, you're going to be connected to in some way. It's like, we call it Winnipeg-itis. It's like, you know, there's not six degrees of separation. There's often like one or two. Um, So it can be a little bit like if you're looking for people who aren't just in your pool, you need to expand. And one of the best ways to do that when you're a young person is to go through, um, yeah, just go through different, like, uh, like chat groups or different, like, see, this is, this is my elder feminist coming out. I'm like, how do people find each other? I don't know. I don't talk to anybody anymore. The Tinder is <laughs> the Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> yeah. You know, like using apps, using all of these ways. Right. And so right. it actually like expands this community to, for young people to be a part of. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And, you know, in terms of like parents, especially get really scared about sexting. Um, They're like, they're sexting. Oh no. What are we going to do about teen sexting? And, you know, first of all, not most teenagers don't actually necessarily use that language. They might be like, yeah, I sent a nude. So what? (laughs) Right. Teens are always evolving their own language. And that's one of the best things about young people, as far as I'm concerned. Um, But yeah, they're worried about all these things happening. But all you need to actually do is ask a young person about like, hey, so how do you do that in a way that's like making sure that you're protected and you're you're doing okay and like safe and and whatever. Um, And they will school you. They will be like, okay, so when you're taking, uh, when you're planning to send your partner or somebody a nude, you got to like make sure that they want that first. And then when you take the picture, you do these angles. So you look really good, but then you also like crop out your face and make sure there's no like identifiers behind you. Like you don't have like your school banner behind you or something. And then you like, you know, negotiate how to like, like, are they going to have to delete it? Make sure it's like not in your cloud or whatever. I've never understood what that is, but you know, (laughs) by the way, (laughs) I have no idea what any of these things mean, but they'll school you, right? Because young people are wise and they know the technology better than you do as a parent. So like, I'm not saying we don't have to be worried because of course we're going to worry about young people being safe. Um, But, you know, in terms of like messaging, letting people know that uh, if something goes wrong 
and they need or want our support, we'll be there for them without judgment or shame. Um, that's kind of just like the most important thing that we can do for young people. Um, right. That That is the most important because things can go wrong. Even if they do yeah. all things right, they, they can go wrong, not in the police involved way, but they can be wrong in the my heart was broken way or broken. Um, And having that figure, that parental unit or or guardian unit figure be there as a support system Mm -hmm. without passing additional judgment and without victim blaming them and just understanding that they are going through a pain of whatever it is that happened and that that pain is going to be stronger because they're teenagers and teenagers feel their emotions stronger than we adults have because we've been feeling the same feelings for a while now so we know how to ride that cloud Mm -hmm. um but they haven't yet it might be their first breakup or their first um breaking of trust or anything mm-hmm. else. So it's a very strong emotion. And having someone there that will go there, there, every, everything will be okay in a way that's comforting without saying, mm-hmm. oh, you shouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful. Yeah. And I think because there's just not that education out there <laughs> uh, in the same way as there is the, you know, don't send nudes. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, like there's so much there's so much that young people have to navigate that I just don't know why we can't uh, just chill a little bit on the like prevention education and just say, Hey, you know what you do you, I'd love it if you do you in these ways that are slightly safer. And when something goes wrong, if that happens, like I'm here for you and we'll work it out together. And cause that, that's really at the end of the day, like meeting everybody's needs on, on both sides of that relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you're a parent, right? I am. Yeah. I have two kids. They are seven and four. Ooh, younglings. <laughs> yeah, they're really younglings. Yes. Yeah. I feel like they would also really like that term a lot. I might have to steal it. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan. So the, the references will keep coming. But I'm I'm curious, we've been talking a lot about parenting and I'm just talking out of my feet because I don't have kids. Uh, this is just mm-hmm. how I wish my parents would have parented me. And that's mm-hmm. how I base my um, advice to anyone. Um, but how has parenting affected your approach to sex education? Ooh, that is a juicy question. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think part of me, I'm a real big overthinker. Um, And so part of me had this fear that, you know, when I became a parent, I would somehow become less radical and I would become more conservative and I, you know, wouldn't talk about things in the same way (laughs) or, you know, like it would be fine, but like not for my kid. Um, But that obviously is not the case (laughs) I think that's like my anxiety and depression playing mind tricks on me (laughs) because actually uh I just get you know like I'm like a fine cheese I just get riper with age you know (laughs) I uh I I find that yeah I I find that I uh, try to imagine the world I want my kids to live in Um, and part of it is shaped by that, like, where have I come from? What are the things that I've had to learn in really hard ways that I would like them to just have from the beginning? Right. Right. And so, um, so I do a lot of that with them, but then that also informs how I talk with other folks too. Um, it, it, I feel like it, being a parent really helps me clarify sort of what are the most important what are the important things that we need to address together and how can I use you know my skills or my gifts in order to um, send that message out there or send you know or, or be with people in this different way to like validate other people who don't have parents who are going to do that um, yeah it just helps it's very like clarifying of why I love the work that I do. 
Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about like how my <laughs> seven year old, she's amazing. <laughs> she, uh, you know, she brilliantly takes apart things like uh, there was some stuff on the playground about like boys and girls and like, you know, uh, crushes and, you know, like, oh, you have a crush on this person and the boys have to chase the girls and like all of that grade two stuff. Um, and she just took apart the lateral violence of that in like one fell swoop with us. She was just like, it's like the boys they just like don't even know it's happening and they get to play whatever they want to. But the girls have to be all like, ooh, you have crushes. <laughs> and, you know, like I just, I just love, I, I, I just love seeing the world through these kids and these young people's eyes because I feel like uh, they just have so much, they just have so much to, to teach us all about how to exist in the world. You know, it's such a magical gift. <laughs> Yeah, talk, talking to, to younger folks, um, we have a, a few nieces and nephews and talking to them, it's amazing how they're building a different world than the world that we had. And oh, yeah. I want to imagine that we did the same, but I don't have anyone telling me that I did. So we didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they are, they're, they're building a better world slowly but surely putting yeah. in the, the those nice um bases basements <laughs> structures <Yeah. laughs> you know that's the word I'm looking for and I can't foundation is it foundation and that's the yes. word <laughs> yeah the bottom layer of the cake they're building it yeah, nice the, and strong that layer they're building yeah. it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's so powerful you know and it's just, it's also just like, I feel so lucky that I get to be a queer parent, you know, not only because I didn't have to give birth to either of my children to still have this, like, I feel like I really lucked out on that. Um, that is lucky. But, <laughs> I, know. I know my partner was like, with a second one, like, what do you think? Would you ever want to? I'm like, well, you didn't exactly sell it to me the first time. So no, please. <laughs> um, you can go ahead. But but yeah, you know, like, it's just such an amazing thing to, you know, bring someone into queer worldviews from birth. Like, that is so healing for me and so beautiful to imagine, like, what, what the world might be like with more of that happening uh, more openly as we, like, distance ourselves from, like, real challenging boomer values and really challenging oppression that was happening um not to say obviously oppression is happening now too but what I mean is you know we've we're gaining momentum and uh there's so much more openness in so many places um that you know I hear a lot of older people being like well there's so many young queer people these days and what are all these pronouns and yada 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 um I don't know who these old people I don't I don't like hang out with old people who are just cursing young people that's maybe an ageist thing that I need to take a look at but um. <laughs> I just like the, the the people um that that say I don't do the pronoun thing and I'm like but you just did I but is a pronoun <laughs> yeah, I know maybe research before you say something but I I that's usually one of my go-tos is like I don't do the pronoun thing I'm like then then you should say name does not do the pronoun thing because yeah enjoy speaking in third person for the rest of your life my friend exactly Um, (laughs) yeah Um, Yeah, so we're coming to the top of the hour so um my last formal questions I have a different <laughs> for you uh, but my ne- my last formal question is what's next for you how do you envision your path taking you Ooh, good question so uh yeah I I'm really looking forward to hopefully uh working together with some folks again um this, this past time over like the last two years, I've had to really retreat and, and do things alone, which is not my preferred 
not my preferred practice. I, I love building community and I do my best work alongside other amazing people. Um, and so there was a collective of us that uh, unfortunately were pushed out of our jobs at the community organization that I was talking about before. Um, and we've kind of viewed this time in between that happening in 2020 and you know whatever future might be happening. We're really, really hoping that this is just kind of like the time and my friend Vanessa, um, Vanessa Cook, she's amazing. <laughs> I love her so much. She's like, yeah, this is the time in the Avengers movie where like all the superheroes go back to their homes and like are sad and drinking in bars and just waiting to get back together again. But you know, they're <laughs> going to come back and save the world. So it's going to happen. Um, so hopefully as things <laughs> open up, we can go back to doing the work we were doing um, together. We've gotten little tastes of that here and there, which has been really great. Um, and yeah, personally, I, uh, you know, I really uh, am looking forward to the new school year. I'm going to be working on a, uh, a, a, like, I don't have a title for it yet, so you'll have to come back to me, but um, sort of a similar workshop that I did for youth, for, for SHIP, um, but working with youth to kind of uh, talk more about um, sexuality and media and technology. Um, and so I'm going to be starting to offer that in the new year. And yeah, hopefully just keep on working with adult service providers on on how to, you know, how to change sex ed to make it work for, for younger folks. That is a lot of what I've been doing. Um, yeah. And, you know, now that things have kind of calmed down a little bit on the uh, I've been doing a lot of workshops and engagements this fall. So looking forward to some like holiday content creation. Uh, so I'll probably be getting wicked creative on my Instagram again, uh, which is uh, I'm sex ed Erica, all one word on most of the things. I have one TikTok <laughs> <laughs> video. <laughs> you can go and find that. It's great. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, all of that stuff. So nice. So you yeah. figure out the TikToks. <laughs> yes, I figured it out. I have proof. I have a TikTok. <laughs> maybe that. You know, I think maybe that's what I will do on my on on this quieter time. Is maybe I'll get my TikTok game back up. Yeah. All right. So we're almost at the end of the podcast, but I cannot let you go without making some fun not related to our topic questions called the hot seat yes uh, oh my god this is so great I so listened to them. <laughs> so I may need to start switching the questions now that a few episodes are out but for now <laughs> um first question Pepsi or Coke oh okay interesting I used to be Coke but I have converted I'm, I'm Pepsi these days oh that's a weird way to go about it I know, right? I just, I, my partner, like, could not understand. She was just like, you know, I get changing your pronouns. I get all of these other things about you. But how did you go from Coke to Pepsi? I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I want. <laughs> yep, that is quite the change. <laughs> um, so favorite ice cream flavor? Ooh, Okay. I have a hard time with favorites because I love so many things so dearly. My newest favorite obsession is an ice cream called Unicorn Toots. <laughs> Which, your face is priceless right now. <laughs> it is, um, okay, it's like cotton candy flavored ice cream Ooh. with little uh, like chocolatey candy covered things that make it rainbowy inside that's not a very good description but it's really tasty and magical looking so you have right up my alley candy. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh who is the best marvel character oh no <laughs> i don't know oh god dc if you're a dc fan instead of a marvel fan i i don't even know if i could answer this <laughs> oh my god yeah no I'm drawing a blank you I know, feel like I'll answer for you then. okay answer for me answer for me <laughs> your favorite should be the Black Panther oh of course how did I forget 
Because these are the hot seat. Oh my god, it's the hot seat. I'm I'm melting. Yeah. Oh my god, Black Panther. Oh, rest in peace, friend. Yep. <sighs> now All I'm right. sad. I need a new question. No, it's not a new question, but I need a wrong answer. Okay. Why is there fuzz on a tennis ball? Oh, uh, why is there fuzz on a tennis ball? Um, well, it is. Mm. It, it's there to prevent people from licking the balls before they <laughs> hit them. The texture is unpleasant on the tongue, so nobody will lick their balls. Oh, I love that. <laughs> hey, but also if you like the feeling of licking fuzzy balls, that's okay too. Yeah. But then I don't want to kink shame anybody. It's fine. <laughs> totally fine right but if you need to play tennis then you'll need to buy the smooth balls so you don't lick them before playing (laughs) and final the final question my favorite Mm -hmm. what sound does a fox make oh my god uh well my according to my four-year-old that's uh cuckoo the fox has actually been living with me this week so that's that's what the fox says that's wonderful (laughs) this was wonderful i loved it so enjoyable thank you so much for having me well thank you for coming um Everyone can find Erica as sets at Erica on all the social medias, including TikTok. Uh, including TikTok. <laughs> and your website is ericamagnab.com. Um, but that will be on our show notes. So if you're driving and listening to this, don't, don't be trying to write down this. Wait until you park and then find her, find them. Um, so ericamagnab.com, sets set at Erica. And Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and maybe on another time on another workshop for a ship. It would be fun. <laughs> awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Virgin Territory, a podcast by Ship, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing culturally inclusive, medically accurate, and pleasure guided sexuality education, therapy, and professional training to adults. You can visit us online at weknowship.org.